You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Better Man Podcast. Adam Tarno here, and I'm joined in studio by David Chase, who works for Better Man but has no title. That's what we talked about (laughs) last episode. Welcome back, David. Good to have you here today. So I've got two kids, two boys, 14-year-old, 12-year-old. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have an 18-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son. Okay. Um, So we're going to pick up this conversation that we started last time about work and very specifically fathers and the example that they can set on how to have a good relationship with work. Um, We've all got stories, right? I can think back to one of the things that I most appreciate about my dad was uh, he was one of the hardest working guys I ever met. And I, I hope he feels like he instilled that in me. Uh, little Adam was watching. I watched how he uh, worked hard for the family. And I think, I think that's part of my, my personal brand, if you will, <laughs> is, yeah. a, is a strong yeah. work ethic. Yeah. I think it's there. It's certainly something that I am trying to model for my kids, uh, that we work incredibly hard. It doesn't have to become our life, but our work matters to God. And so we want to bring our best. It's good to do good work. We do hard things to feel proud afterwards, not because mm-hmm. it's always easy mm-hmm. uh, in the moment, but that's part of being a man is that we're going to do some hard work. And so um, so those are some lessons you know, that I hope my kids are starting to pick up uh, with all that. But uh, you got some stories with all this too and how this was modeled for you? Man, well, I just I, I appreciate that you see the value in the modeling, right? None of us want to walk away and ever say, well, I hope to be a bad dad, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. No, but, for sure. But yeah, it's it's huge. And it's and it's amazing how, you know, even the language you just used, right? I hope that my dad, right? And it's, man, the dad thing, it's huge. It's so big in our lives. And, and it, uh, uh, man, it can carry with us for so long. I before I share something about my own life, I will, I will tell you that I had, man, I met a guy and I was talking to him about retirement. He just recently retired. And, and I was asking some questions about that. Uh, you know, we, we sat down at, at, you know, Chili's and you had some chips and salsa. And, and so I asked him, I said, man, so tell me about your work. And what I'd said in my mind is he was going to tell me about, you know, how he in, incorporated his faith and his work. And I, I anticipated this massive long story, but just a, a success story, if you will. And uh, I said, so, man, tell me about your work. And he said, David, I hated every minute of it. And I thought, well, pass the chips. We're going to yeah. be here a while. This is not. <laughs> this maybe is we need not, a couple of margaritas, too. This right? is not where I thought it was going. Yeah. And and so, sure enough, I mean, we ended the conversation, and I was kind of dejected and walked away like, this did not go like I wanted. I was, I'd interviewed a number of guys for, for kind of a project I was doing. And and so, lo and behold, though, you step forward um, – a few months. So this is, you know, four months later, I end up in another conversation with the same guy and, and I'm talking to him and we end up talking about his childhood. And, uh, after he graduated college, he, he got his first job. He didn't love it. So he quit his second job. He got, um, he stayed with now again, he told me at the end of his retirement, he, he hated every minute of it. So in my mind, what I walked away with was like, He's kind of an idiot. Yeah. Like, if you hate the job that yeah, much, why, why would you, you stay? stay there? Yeah. But what he told me, though, changed my whole perspective. So as we're talking about his childhood, he said, after I quit my first job, my dad made fun of me for quitting. So I vowed I wouldn't quit a second time. So he jumped into... So in yeah, some ways, it's admirable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In some ways, it's admirable, but it, it wrecked me because yeah. I'd made some pretty harsh judgments about the guy. Yeah, yeah. But... It, it just emphasizes the importance of dads, the influence we have, 
and the influence, uh, yeah, whether good or bad, right? Sometimes the dad wound, sometimes it's it's the dad positives, but the impact that dad has on our work is huge, and we can't under, uh, underestimate what that looks like, and and really what again how God laid out work for us as a yeah. blueprint. Yeah, and I think that's so refreshing and and also terrifying for dads, really parents, with all of this because I remember my wife and I recently had a conversation. This was maybe a couple of years ago. The school board where our kids go to school, we're making some changes. You know, the typical typical thing, right? And I remember my wife just making a comment like. Um, I I think sometimes we give a lot of power to the teachers and the administrators thinking that they're the number one influence on the students. I don't know about your high school experience, Adam, but I really wasn't listening to my teachers and principals. I was listening to my peers and my parents, right? That that They were the ones that were having the biggest influence on me. Now, she was kind of making a, a half-hearted comment, but I think there is some some truth in that. So this isn't a comment about do schools influence? This is more of a comment about who who do we know influences, and who we know influences our peers, but also who the kids see at home. And so, yes, you can go to a school that's going to teach your kids can be at a school that teaches the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. That's all well and good, great, great for them to know that. But they're watching you. Uh, they're and specifically the dads. They're going to be watching you. And that's where they're going to absorb where all kinds of things in life. And today, what we're going to talk about is specifically with work ethic. I love that. Yep. And it's, you know, so much of that work ethic comes into um, a guy thinking, can I do this? Yeah. Right. And so it's it's having the confidence a lot of times just to venture out and to do something that, that maybe you didn't know you could do. And that's for me. Uh, so my dad passed away in 20 okay. and a couple of a few years ago. And uh, one of the one of the cool things about dad, I would say, is that he was the most talented man I've ever met, bar none. Um, he was a civil engineer by trade, but a massive hobbyist on the back end. And uh, so there's good and bad in this. If I ever wanted to see dad, he was in the shop. Okay. So, you know, dad would let me tag along. He'd let me come out there, see what he's doing. Uh, we can go to the gun range. You know, I could go do dad's hobbies with him, but there wasn't a lot of other dad time. So there's there's definitely a negative side to some of this piece. But... But the positive side would be that, uh, and I would sum it up in one word, and this is what I encourage all dads to, to kind of tie into, is exposure. Mm-hmm. Exposing your child to things that they don't know anything about, and they, they come away learning that they can do something. They may not want to do it again, but they can do it. And so for me, uh, man, my dad was a custom knife maker as a hobby. So in the shop, he would make make knives. That entailed everything from cutting out steel to heat treating to sharpening to to taking wood from a block to making it a knife handle. Uh, you still have some of them? Oh, tons of them. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Awesome. It's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. And and he did a lot of neat prototypes for movies, movie stars, and stuff too. So kind of cool things there. But uh, from welding um, to uh, woodwork to installing outlets in the house to whatever it was, you know, dad would bring me along to, to work on these things. Sometimes he needed an extra set of hands, but other times though, it was just, he's going to teach me something. And again, I may not ever want to do those things again, but the lesson I worked, walked away with is that I can, and I don't have a fear to try most things because I know, I know most things are fixable, right? I can put a hole in sheetrock and I can fix it. Right. And so, and I did that a few times in college. It was unfortunate. We played baseball in the, 
in the house some and we put a few holes in the wall but but it's that exposure piece and that's one of the biggest things instilling confidence in your kids that they can do something um they may not ever want to do it again but they can and once they know that that's just life-giving oh that's huge kid so as dads you know your kids you watch them you see their skills you know them better than they know themselves especially in those early years okay um and if you start to see something in your kids and you also know the marketplace and you know different jobs and different vocations, that's part of a great joy and one of your roles that you can care for the kids is starting to match natural skill set and starting to cast some vision about the future of how that could be a vocation one day in a way that they can earn a living and and uh, and be a productive member of of society. And I think for dads, what we need to be careful of there is not to put our wishes and our dreams and aspirations on them, but what we actually see in them. So if you are a dad who is great with numbers and you're an accountant and you're and financially minded, but your son seems to be or your daughter seems to be slightly different there maybe they uh maybe they're more outgoing people oriented maybe not going to be the best there to drive them towards what you are doing but try to think oh okay well that outgoing people oriented maybe uh maybe business development maybe sales maybe marketing maybe advertising all of those things starting to talk about that and cast a vision there as your so I love what you're saying about exposure. And then it's also, as you see them, it's casting vision about how they how they may be able to use that vocationally one day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even if, again, and I, and I would say that, um, gosh, most most kids growing up don't have a shop in their backyard and dad's out there yeah. welding and, and doing <laughs> woodwork. Right. So I, mean, I realize it's unique. But, but even where a dad, uh, to, to talk about what you're saying there, it finding outlets, finding places where, um, where we can get our kids exposed to things. Even mm-hmm. if I don't know how to do something, let me go find someone who does yeah. and, and just expose our kids to a range of things, right? And there's a book recently called range, yeah. uh, that kind of gets into, yep, that yeah. gets into this idea of, you know, uh, being a little bit, everything utility player. Yep. That's why I love the title. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, having this, having this exposure to all these different things and, and see what's kind of clicking with your kid. Um, yeah, I know for me more recently with my daughter getting ready to go to college, it's been more and more conversations about, yeah, I mean, the majors that she could do, but I, I actually teach, uh, locally at a, at a university and in the college of business. And, and so in that teaching org behavior and, and, you know, a little bit of sociology, psychology, business, all kind of wrapped into one, but it's all comes back to relationships. So I can talk more with her about relationships and, and how that apply in different fields of business. And so the conversations have changed over time with her and with my son, but it's exposing her to these different places, the different spaces. And if I don't have that in me or that knowledge, you know, how can I supplement that and get her exposed to that in some other space? So she can at least try it out, kind of get a feel for, ooh, do I want to do this or not? But, but I think we do our kids a disservice when we don't prepare them in that way. Like, not only just career wise, but just everyday handyman kind of stuff or just ability, the confidence to do things. Uh, again, whether it be working under the, under the sink on some plumbing, the, I remember, I remember the, I wanted to, we bought a TV. We were going to put in our, in our uh, kind of dining kitchen area, kind of a, a unique space. But, um, but I didn't like where the, the plug was on the bottom of the, you know, it's the bottom of the wall and I wanted to put it behind the TV. And so this is probably five or six years ago. And so I called my son in at the time. He was probably 
you know, 11 years old, didn't really care to be there, much like I'd probably felt the same way with my own dad. But I said, hey, son, we're going we're gonna to put a new outlet in. And uh, so I walked through, you know, how we're going to get access to the wires and work it up, and we're going to put a hole in the wall, that stuff. So, But when I put that hole in the wall, his eyes grew so big, like you were in so <laughs> much trouble that's right trouble now. For him, yeah. And I said, "No, buddy." I said, "We can. This is all going to look fine when it's done." And so, uh, but exposure. I mean, I don't know that he'll ever put a socket in, you know, or put an outlet in himself in the future. But he's done it. He knows he can, right? And he's welded, right? I've taught him how to. You know, I've shown him here how you do this. And so it's again, will he ever weld again? I don't know. Uh, but. But it instills confidence, and so finding those places, those outlets, to even expose them across the way is, is just a gift. And to make offers on that stuff, because my dad was very handy, and he made plenty of offers to his credit when he was doing things. Hey, do you want to watch this? Do you want to come over here? And sometimes he needed help, like you said, and asked. I wasn't interested. That's not on him. That was me, right? So I don't blame him for my lack of handiness right now. It's not what my dad never did. He tried plenty. So (laughs) what you can control as a dad is to make the offer, right? And now if your kid takes advantage of that, that's up to them. And then when they come back and they're 25 and they're like, I don't know how to fix a hole, you can be like, keep track. Well, hey, I asked you this day, this day, this day, this day. You rejected all that because you wanted to go play with your friends or do something different. And so just make the offer. I love that. That's yeah, a great Yeah, that's a great And they get to see to what it. you're doing. And and so there's that there's that handy side of it. There's the, the physical side of it. But there's also the intellectual side, the conversation side. And um, I'll tell you where my, where my conversations have shifted a lot lately have been, um, and I, I'll still do the physical stuff. You know, I'll still, I was working on the tractor down at our family property the other day and, you know, have my son, you know, looking at the hydraulic line I was replacing and that kind of stuff. So there's still those, you know, those that does still exist. But but as they get older and culture is more in their face, um, and I love culture, don't get me wrong, but there's there's got to be a way we engage that well. And I'm a, I'm a big fanboy of John Stone Street and the Colson Center, and he's um, been on the podcast before. But he has these four questions that they, they kind of reiterate over time. And, um, and you've, you've probably heard them in some form or fashion before. They come out of uh, kind of Herman Bobnick and, and Abraham Kuyper, kind of old history there. But, but the four questions are, one, what is good that I can preserve, protect, and promote? What is good that I can preserve, protect, and promote? And I love that because it's, again, all four of these are helping our kids think about how are you going to engage culture probably from a vocational perspective, a work perspective, but also just in, in all of life, right? How do you engage the social topics of the day? How do you embrace government things? Whatever it may be, the different social policies, whatever's out there. Um, but what is good that I can preserve, protect, and promote? What is evil that we can oppose and resist? The third one is what is missing that we can innovate and contribute? And the fourth is what is broken that the Lord might use me to restore? And so as I think about, yes, teaching my kids, exposing my kids to the physical aspect of things, building confidence in that, um, that they can physically do just about anything they need to um, or know who to call. That's the other big thing. How do you dial a phone? That's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah. but, when, but beyond that, though, there's the, there's the intellectual, there's the actual engagement with all of culture. And, and I, that's, it is a one-two punch in For that sure. regard. It's got to be setting them up both physically and mentally, spiritual, those kind of things. But yeah, what is good, what is evil, what is missing, what is broken, and engaging culture with this framework, um, understanding how they're going to enter into the world and, and address these things um, 
that's just that's been a huge conversation. Oh, that's for me. amazing, and I love your I love how you're connecting those because yes, I've heard those before, but never really thought about that when it comes to work. And I mean, this what a challenge for us here to think about even the way we talk about our job. If we do go home or leave the home to go to work and we come back and there's dinner time conversations or you're driving to the ball game on the weekends or just something with your with your sons and daughters, look at these four. So here's here's ways I try to approach work as a follower of Jesus where I don't control everybody and half the organization, more the organization, they don't have the same worldview. I can still do these things. I can look for good to preserve. I can look for evil to try to oppose. This is why I fight for this benefit or uh, I fight to keep this one. Here's what I try to do for my team to to fill in something that I sense is missing. Here's something broken that I'm trying to fix. Great way to start talking about it because then we're that's the opposite of grumbling and complaining. Where grumbling and complaining is a little bit more of a victim mindset. Eh, we have no agency. We have no autonomy. So let's just let's just complain. This, there's always going to be something on that list to find no, that's going to give you something to do. And what you just said, you said on the way to the ball game, on the way to something, your kids are in the car, you're talking about work. That is invaluable. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, those are the moments we've got to capture. And so just having that conversation, hey, kids, let me tell you about what I did today. Right. Those kinds of things are instructive. We go back to Deuteronomy 6, right? We go back to the Shema. We teach our kids. That right there is super helpful. And it's so easy to do because, you know, and if you're nervous about it, you don't even have to look at your kids. That's yeah. the beauty of it, right? They're just sitting in the just car with talking. you. And you just start talking. Yeah. And they're going to listen. They're going to hear, yeah. pick up something. And to take take these four questions and this whole thing about work and work ethic, because for, for kids nowadays, there's still two ways they can start to practice this, really three. Uh, the things they do around the home, that's an easy one. Uh, their schoolwork is their job in many ways. And then if they're doing a hobby. So whether it be anything on the art side to the athletic side, that's your work as well. And so the team, what's good that you can preserve? What's an evil you can oppose? What's missing that you can fill in? What's broken? And then how can you have that work ethic to go, this is why you practice. This is this is why you do your homework. It's just starting. Listen, they're not going to buy any of it, but you're starting that language. <laughs> it's uh, foundational. It is. It's, it's foundational. Yeah, and then so showing good. how you, it's not saying do as I say. You're saying that I'm saying do as I do here because this is how I do those same things in my life as well. Fathers, I mean, we know this. I mean, we talk about this all the time here on Better Man. You have an an immensely important role, uh, but I like that we picked out you picked out David this nuance between fathers and work because uh, that's incredibly important. That the the model that we set for all that. So I love it. Thanks for jumping in with us again today. Thank you for having me. Hey there, podcast listeners. Just a second before you go. Today, we have got a bonus, a free resource for you called Five Ways to Be a Better Man. We know between work, family, and life, it can be really difficult to find and practice a good model for biblical masculinity. That's why we record these podcasts for you every week. And that's also why we put together Five Ways to Be a Better Man. So all you have to do to get this is go to betterman.com put in your email and download this great free resource. You don't have to try to be a better man on your own. We are here to help. So go to betterman.com, put in your email and get five ways to be a better man right now. betterman.com.